Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Hi everyone, this is Trent Sutton with Wild Imaginings, and we are presenting you a fantastical history of Waco. Fabulous tales of dubious veracity, written by Ashley Bean Thornton. (laughs) Today's story, Pipe Smoking and Crickets. Shapley Prince Ross, his wife Catherine, and their seven children were some of the first settlers to move to Waco Village in March of 1849. And with the Shapley Ross family came Armstead Ross and his wife, Lucindy. Most people thought Armstead and Lucindy were the family's slaves, but in reality, that was just a ruse. Armstead and Shapley were actually longtime friends. They knew, however, that life was dangerous for free black men in the South. Therefore, when the two friends decided to move to Texas together, Armstead pretended to be Shapley's slave and took the last name Ross. Look, Armstead, you know you're like a brother to me. Why don't you and Lucindy come with us when we move to Texas? You know why I can't. But do you think things will always be like that? I I don't know. I too believe that there's opportunity there. It, It just doesn't yet apply to me. I guess this is what I want to know. If you could move there, would you? Come on, Shapley. That's not really the question. I could move there, but it wouldn't be safe. and You know it. But if there was a way for it to be safe, would you do it? Yeah, of course. Well, if that's the case, Catherine and I may have an idea. Oh, what's that? I think there's a way that you and Lucindy can live your lives freely without anyone else knowing. (laughs) Well, if that's true, then we're in. Let's move to Texas. Armstead and Lucindy packed their bags and joined Shapley, Catherine, and their seven children for the trek to Texas. When they arrived in Waco, people took no notice of them. The Ross family was welcomed warmly by the other settlers. But Armstead and Lucindy were largely invisible, just being another pair of slaves in the South. And while the wrongs of this shouldn't be ignored, it was exactly what they hoped for. Behind closed doors in the Ross family's homestead, Armstead and Lucindy were free to be free. People assumed that Armstead and Lucindy were house servants, being that they were rarely seen. But in reality, they were simply housemates. For over 15 years, the four friends lived happily together in Waco, Texas. Shapley and Catherine were loved in town and were applauded for their success. Armstead and Lucindy were content to live their days together in private, helping their friends with their business and awaiting their turn to strike out on their own. Finally, after the Civil War ended, Armstead and Lucindy saw their opportunity. I think it's time. I think you're right, Armstead. 
It's still not going to be easy. The war may have been won, but people aren't going to easily accept what that means. We know, Catherine, but we have to at least try. I know, and I understand. I just worry. Well, hopefully the town's respect for you will give us some protection. Right. To everyone else, it's just going to look like we've freed our longtime slaves. And if we show you respect and goodwill after doing so, hopefully everyone else will follow our lead. Yeah, probably wishful thinking, but we'll soon see. Either way, this is the chance we'd hoped would come. People are going to wonder where you got the money to buy property, having been slaves before. <laughs> Let them wonder. Just be careful, Lucindy. We will be, and we won't be far. You act like you may never see us again. To be honest, Catherine and I have just gotten used to sharing our life and our house with you two. It's going to be odd without you. You helped me raise my children, Lucindy. And both of you have been so integral to the farm's success. Well, we've loved living here with you. We know how fortunate we've been to have the two of you as friends. But it's time. Exactly. Shortly after, Armstead and Lucindy bought some property and built a cabin. People were shocked that Shapley and Catherine were so gracious to who they thought were their former slaves. And while Armstead and Lucindy may not have been welcomed warmly into the fold of the Waco community, they also weren't treated overtly poorly. Shapley and Catherine were simply too successful to cross in such a small town. But years passed this way, and before long, Armstead and Lucindy's success began to surpass that of some of the white farmers. As their wealth grew, jealousy against them also grew. How are they doing it? I don't know. It's suspicious, isn't it? It is. How could a couple of slaves possibly have afforded that farm in the first place? I heard they stole the money. Do Shapley and Catherine know? They won't hear anything of it. Oh, yeah, well, they're probably embarrassed. Weren't they just house servants? How do they know so much about farming? Oh, beginner's luck. Oh, there's gotta be something else going on. Soon, Armstead and Lucindy found themselves the regular targets of Reggie's raiders. A band of ragtag Confederate sympathizers and ne'er-do-wells who decided that they were the arbiters of freedom in the Waco area. They threatened to burn Armstead and Lucindy's crops, their cattle, and their home with them in it. The leader of this gang, Reginald Sangley, a particularly unsavory character with a long, pointed nose and a greasy beard, took special pleasure in tormenting Lucindy. Indeed, it got to the point that Lucindy was afraid to leave the house by herself for fear that Reggie or one of his raiders would see her in town. While Armstead was also a target, he was a bit more formidable and was rarely antagonized in so public a way. Sadly, in October 1883, Armstead died suddenly. Catherine and Shapley offered what help they could and even offered to let Lucindy come back and live with them. And while Lucindy would have none of that, she was also afraid to live by herself. She sent for her aunt, Lucretia LaFontaine, who was living in New Orleans. Dearest Aunt Lucretia, I hope this letter finds you well. Unfortunately, I find myself doing not so well. My husband, Armstead, has just passed away. And while we managed to build a successful farm, I am afraid to be here by myself. 
I always found your presence comforting, and I certainly have the space. Would you be willing to come to Waco? Your loving niece, Lucindy. Before the week was even out, which was remarkably fast in those days, Lucindy received a reply. The letter simply said, I'm packing my bags, dear. Aunt Lucretia arrived in Waco under unusual circumstances. A dense, smoky fog settled over Waco for three full days. No one had seen anything like it. It made pea soup seem thin, you might say. But after those three days of fog so thick you couldn't see more than a foot in front of you, it disappeared as quickly as it had come. And when it finally drifted off, Aunt Lucretia was found sitting in a rocking chair on Lucindy's front porch. No one knew how she got there, including Lucindy. Aunt Lucretia, you scared me. Sorry, darling, but I told you I was packing my bags. Yes, of course. I just didn't expect you so soon. Well, here I am. <laughs> Couldn't let you live here alone, scared as you were. Well, thank you. You have no idea how much I appreciate it. So, who's the problem? What? You said you were afraid to be here alone. Who's the problem? No one. I, I just didn't want to be here by myself in this big house. I just wanted... Girl, I've been around a few years longer than you. A beautiful young black couple like you and Armstead having a successful farm, and you're telling me there's no one in this town you're scared of? Girl, you a liar. Reginald. Everyone calls him Reggie. Okay, then. Tell me about this Reggie. Well, he's the self-appointed Confederate diehard. He doesn't want to see us, or anyone of color for that matter, succeed. He wants things to go back to the way they were. Well, he'll have another thing coming, my dear. Don't you worry about a thing. Aunt Lucretia, don't go starting anything. He's a dangerous man. Oh, I never. I would never. I don't even plan to venture very far from this front porch. Except maybe to get us a fresh fish for dinner from time to time. But don't you worry, none. I'm too old for that nonsense. I'm glad you're here. Glad to be here, darling. While Aunt Lucretia's presence was a great comfort, it did not entirely ease Lucindy's concerns. Despite her aunt's assurances, she did not seem particularly formidable. No bigger than a blackbird, and extremely old, her main occupations were sitting in the rocking chair on Lucindy's front porch, smoking a corncob pipe, and fishing for catfish from the bank of the Brazos with a cane pole using a fat cricket as bait. Lucindy feared that she had brought her aunt here and had now put them both in danger. And indeed, Aunt Lucretia's presence seemed to irritate Reginald more than deter him. Within only weeks after Aunt Lucretia appeared, Reginald Sangley decided to make a move on Lucindy and her scrawny aunt. He cooked up a scheme to burn them out of their cabin and take their land. He and about 30 of his raiders rode up one night at midnight. They surrounded the cabin with torches lit. They filled the air with gunshots, rebel yells, and loud cursing meant to terrify the two women.
Unbeknownst to the men, Lucindy wasn't even there. She had decided to go stay the night with Shapley and Catherine, a long overdue outing she had taken at the encouragement of her aunt. But I don't want to leave you here alone, Aunt Lucretia. I understand, dear, but I don't share your fears. I'll be fine, I promise. That's what worries me. How can you be so unconcerned? When you live to be as old as me, you learn not to let yourself be bothered by bullies. Well, be careful, please. Always am, always am. Now go, go, enjoy yourself. You deserve one carefree night. No worries, no problems, just friends. I'll hold down the home front. Thank you. I think you're right. I could use a break from the stress of being here. That's why I'm here, darling. Rest assured, nothing will happen other than me smoking in my rocking chair. (laughs) Well, all right then. I'm off. And as for Aunt Lucretia herself, she just continued rocking in her accustomed spot on Lucindy's porch, smoking her corncob pipe, even at midnight, and even as the men surrounded the cabin. She calmly observed the raid and even chuckled as the men started yelling. As she rocked, more and more gray smoke curled out of her corncob pipe. Before long, so much had billowed out that the raiders were obscured in a fog of her pipe smoke. The cursing and rebel yells grew quieter and quieter, and ultimately stopped, replaced by silence other than the lonesome chirping of crickets. As the smoke cleared, the horses trotted off in all directions, riderless. When the smoke cleared fully, Aunt Lucretia eased herself off of the porch and caught the biggest of the crickets in her cupped, wrinkled hands. She gently placed it in an old tobacco pouch and tied the pouch with a string. And with that, she returned to her rocking chair and continued smoking her pipe to the tune of cricket chirping, carefree as ever. The next morning, several neighbors saw the tiny old woman on the bank of the river with her cane pole. Now, this wasn't a particularly unusual sight, as she often went in the mornings to fish. This morning, however, the neighbors remember her talking to her bait, which was strange even for her. This particular morning, she pulled a struggling cricket from her tobacco pouch and smiled as she carefully attached it to her hook. And now, Mr. Reginald Sangley, (laughs) you will fetch me a fine catfish. And she tossed the cricket into the brown water of the Brazos. Thank you for joining us today for A Fantastical History of Waco, a podcast brought to you by Wild Imaginings. We have a lot of other great projects besides this podcast. If you want to check out the work that we're doing, please head to wildimaginingswaco.com see what we're doing and if you have an idea of your own let us know we love working with people just like we did here at rogue media network and ashley bean thornton the author of these wonderful stories join us next time for another fantastical story this has been rogue media network podcast